0: Over the last several weeks, we have been in a study we've called sacred, and um, we've looked at various elements of the sacred church traditions that have stood the test of time for generations. In the first week, we looked at the ongoing spiritual discipline of confession in a Christ follower's life. In the second week, we looked at, the importance of the sacred place, the altar, where man meets with God. And you can make an altar in your car, or your office, beside your bed, or in the front of this church. It's not the wooden piece of furniture that is sacred, it is the encounter with God that is sacred. And last week, we took a deep look into the often taken for granted Lord's Supper or communion. Today, I want to look at a very another a very uh, holy and another very sacred element of Christian faith that is often belittled, misunderstood, and taken for granted as well. There are a lot of uninformed believers who yawn at this thought, and yet it is one of the most powerful images in all of the Bible about the Christian faith. This experience is water baptism. I'm just curious, you know, I doubt there are many people under the age of 40 in this room who, who understand and know the name Paul Harvey. Uh, I'm one that does. And even if you don't know the name, maybe you might recognize his voice. So uh, let's see if you hear and recognize the voice of Paul Harvey. Hello, Americans. I'm Paul Harvey. You know what the news is. In a minute, you're going to hear the rest of the story. I remember trying to find a, a station growing up that had the rest of the story, Paul Harvey, because it was listened to, he was well known. He was a great radio broadcaster who had also given his life to Christ. And He, re- he wrote a story before he died about his water baptism experience in Guidepost magazine. And he said, you know, he'd received almost every broadcasting and radio award that a man could receive, but there was still something empty in his life. And he told the story about how when he was in a hotel one night, he asked Jesus to come into his heart. But yet it seemed like something was missing. And one year, he and his wife went on vacation and Cave Creek, Arizona is where they were staying. Sunday morning came around and they decided to go to church. They went into this little bitty church in Cave Creek, Arizona, and there were 14 people present with them included. So 12 other people in this little church. Paul Harvey said he believed in Jesus, but he had never gone forward in a church service. One night he had prayed in his hotel room, but there was still something missing in his heart. So he said the preacher got up and announced what his sermon was going to be that day. It was going to be on water baptism. And Paul Harvey said, and I quote, I yawned. But as he started talking about it, I found myself interested. He talked about the symbolism behind it and how it symbolized the complete surrender of one's life to Jesus Christ and how there was nothing really magic in the water, but there was this cleansing inside that took place when you yielded your life to Jesus. He went on to say, finally, at the end of his sermon, if any of you have not been baptized in this way, I invite you to come forward and join me near the pulpit. Paul Harvey said, to my surprise, I found myself going forward. The preacher had said there was nothing magic in the water, yet as I descended into the depths and rose again, I knew something life-changing had happened, a cleansing inside out. No longer did there seem to be two uncertain, contradictory Paul Harveys, just one immensely happy one. I felt the fulfilling surge of the Holy Spirit in my life. He later said, The change this simple act made in my life is so immense to be indescribable, since totally yielding to him in baptism, my heart can't stop singing. Also, perhaps because baptism is such a public art and public act because of one's dignity gets drenched as much as one's body, I discovered a new unself consciousness in talking about my beliefs publicly. The act of water baptism, or in other words, the act of being immersed in water in response to receiving Jesus as Lord of your life, is a very important step in the Christian faith. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter number 3, the Bible says that Jesus, the Lord Himself, went to John the Baptist, His own cousin, who was known for baptizing, and asked John to baptize Him so that all of the fulfillments of righteousness could be performed in His life. And after Jesus was baptized, he went on in the message that he taught to make water baptism an eternal ordinance for any follower of Jesus Christ, and he challenged us to follow in his footsteps. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 29 verse or 28 verse number 19, Inside the Great Commission where Jesus is at the end of His life and ministry and He is commissioning those that are watching Him that day to do what He came to start. This is what He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So making disciples and baptizing them are synonymous in Jesus' teaching. Disciples and baptism go hand in hand. It's part of the process of growing in Christ, is being baptized. But why is water baptism so important? First of all, because it is a symbol. In the same way, my wedding ring is an outward symbol of a covenant that I have made with Haley, this is not the covenant. This does not make me married. Some unmarried man could put this ring on his finger and he wouldn't be married. It is an outward symbol of an oral and heartfelt covenant I have made with my wife between her, God, and myself. This is the outward symbol. In the same way someone in the military will have a uniform on that is only given to them once they have gone through the proper requirements and surrendered themselves to the rules and orders and paid the price... Then they get a uniform and sometimes badges that testify to the honor that has been bestowed upon them. That uniform is the outward display of what has happened in their life. In the same way, water baptism is a symbol designed by God to identify a person publicly as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I use the word symbol with caution. Because to say it is just a symbol takes away from the depth and beauty of water baptism. Baptism is a symbol, but it is so much more than just a symbol. As a symbol, it is a picture of both death and life. It is both a funeral and a resurrection all at the same time. People are baptized in different places. Some people are baptized, most I would say, in the U.S., are baptized in baptistry tanks in the, uh, in the church, a baptistry area and. We are in the process of designing our new location and our new church, and have this beautiful fountain in the foyer area that will be a bapt- that will double as a baptismal tank. I mean, and a lot of a lot of people are baptized in a church, but some people are baptized, and I have baptized people in rivers and in lakes. Uh, in ponds. I have, known, I have baptized some people because of uh, physical conditions in their own bathtub. They could not get to the church or climb up in a baptistry. Um, I have baptized people in horse troughs and cow tanks and everywhere in between because the location and the medium is not what is sacred. The transformation that is happening in the heart being displayed in that moment is what is sacred. So regardless of the place, whether in the church or in a river or somewhere else, that location, that act of baptism is often known as a water grave or a watery grave. Because water baptism is in essence a funeral. It is an act of faith where we testify both to God and to the world that the person we were before is dead and is being buried and we are raised up out of that water as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it's beautifully illustrated in Scripture. One of the best places to read about water baptism is in Romans chapter 6. And then it's referred to a lot in the book of Colossians chapter 2. But Romans chapter 6 is beautiful as well. matter of fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 6 verse 4, We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into Christ, uh, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may live a new life. He says in Colossians 2, the Apostle Paul again says, Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith, in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. Baptism in Paul's literature is a water grave. It is synonymous with the funeral for the person you were before you came to Christ. But in both Romans 6 and in Colossians 2, both of the verses that I read to you hint that it is not only a watery grave for who we used to be, it is also a prophetic foreshadowing of our resurrection in Christ Jesus. Just as we are raised up out of that watery grave, we will also be raised up to join with Christ for all of eternity. Matter of fact, let me read one more verse. I'm going to read Romans 6, 4 again, but then I'm going to add verse 5. Listen to this picture of it being both a funeral, a grave site, but also life and resurrection. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death, In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Water baptism is not only a grave for the person we used to be, and not only a prophetic picture of our future resurrection in Christ, but it is also a very public declaration of our faith in Jesus when we're baptized in water it is the moment that we are unashamedly identifying Jesus as the Lord of our lives in the act of water baptism I want you to think with me for a second about how water baptism is identifying with Christ in our modern Comfort zone Christianity that we have in America, the kind of lukewarm, doesn't really cost you much to follow Christ. I'm kind of half in, kind of half out, show up every now and then, committed when it's convenient, not committed when it's going to cost me something, kind of Christianity in America. We take God's commandments far too lightly. Chuck Colson, who is a, a, man, of, a, a man that made great impact on the world for Christ, was, uh, had a horrible past, was in prison, Came to Christ in prison and eventually started a prison ministry that has touched thousands of lives. Chuck Colson just went to be with Jesus. He's written many books, and one of his older books, and you'll tell by the reference to the Soviets in the quote that I'm about to read, he talks about how water baptism is looked at in a more reverent way in other places of the world than it is here in the United States. Because In most any other part of the world, to be baptized in water will cost you something, if not everything, to be a follower of Christ. This is what Colson says. Most Westerners take baptism for granted. But for many in the world, the act requires immense courage. In countries like Nepal, it means imprisonment. For Soviet or Chinese or Eastern Bloc believers, it's like signing their own death warrant. Why is that? Most of the other religions and cultures in the world understand baptism better than we do as American Christ followers. Because in those cultures that are not predominantly Christian or don't have Christianity in their background or the formation of their society, they understand because every religion has some type of baptism, induction into their faith. And they understand that baptism is a break with the old and a beginning of the new. For example, people that Come to Christ Jesus and say they believe in Christ in a Hindu context or in an Arabic context that is Muslim. If they believe in Christ in those areas, many times they are okay. They may face a little persecution, but the real persecution does not begin until they are baptized. And once they are baptized, they are often cut off from their families, disowned from their inheritances. Their fathers will no longer claim them as sons or daughters. They lose their last name. They lose the home they are living in. They are persecuted and many of them even lose their lives because baptism in those countries are viewed as the sacred change into the faith of the Christian faith. And so, we don't have that cost, that price to pay, and so we often take it for granted. Water baptism in the Scriptures and in most other cultures is the all-in moment of the faith. Remember the old song, I have decided to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. And one of the verses says, Though none go with Me, still I will follow That song is in American hymnals. But most Americans don't realize that song was written by an Indian man from India who was a former Hindu named Sundar Singh. That is the baptism song of many Indian believers. That is their mantra. Because as they walk the road to be baptized, they can believe in a Hindu culture in Jesus. And even in an Arabic or Muslim culture, in in a Muslim area... Jesus is viewed as a respected prophet, just not the Son of God. So it's okay to believe in Jesus. In a Hindu culture where you have millions and millions and millions of gods, what's wrong with adding one more? But the moment you get baptized is the moment in a Muslim context you say, I believe in Jesus, not Allah. Or when you're in a Hindu culture, you're putting away the Hindu temple, the Hindu shrines, the Hindu gods, and I'm believing in one God. Here, o Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And His name is Jesus. And they are professing their faith in Him at baptism. And Sundar Singh did that. And the moment that he did, he lost everything. He lost his family. He lost his inheritance. He lost everything because of baptism. And out of that experience, he penned the words, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. And still to this day in India, many times they will have hundreds of believers that are baptized in rivers. And as they walk to their water baptism, picture this image in your mind. Many of them on the way to the watery grave are singing this song. I have decided to follow Jesus, though none go with me. Still I will follow. You can take the whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Because the moment they are submerged in that water, life will never be the same for them again, both in life, in resurrection, but also in a physical sense because of persecution and the trouble they will face. They understand what baptism means. I was preaching in Chennai, India, Madras is formerly known. Dr. David Mohan pastors New Life Church there. There are 40,000 believers that gather there on a weekend. It may be closer to 45 now. They have seven services if they've not added more. And there are 5,000 people that show up in each service. The first one begins at 5 a.m. And they line up outside the door. The second service is at 7 a.m. And they go every two hours until they do seven services. 35,000 people. And then there are some off-site places where they meet to total 40,000 believers. I'm walking into one of the services and I'm greeted. Now I've been known as the the preacher because I've preached a couple times and I walk into the service and a lady greets me at the door and introduces herself as Esther. And I said, well, that's a beautiful name. That's uncommon for India to be named Esther. And she said, oh, that's not my original name. She said, I was a Hindu. I served in the Hindu shrines. And when I came to faith in Christ, I was possessed by evil spirits. And Jesus delivered me through the ministry of this church. And I was baptized. in the day they baptized me, they gave me a new name, a Christian name. And for the last many years, I've been known as Esther. And Esther, with the glow in her face, telling what she was, came up out of that water as something new. And it was even symbolized in her culture by being given a different name. It's why Blake called me a few days ago and said, Pastor, I cannot wait. I cannot wait till May the 20th. You, you don't understand. I gotta make a cut with this old man. I gotta, I gotta put him under. I wanna be raised up brand new and I wanna walk in this new life because he understood what water baptism meant. In the Bible, water is symbolic of cleansing. I mean, if you're taking notes, both Ephesians 5.26 and Hebrews 10.22 refer to the cleansing element of the Spirit. And it uses the water as an illustration. Water in John 3.5 and Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus is a, a, a form of spiritual rebirth. Jesus said to be born of the water and to be born of the Spirit. Um, and all of those are central themes of Baptism. This cleansing element, it's a public display of the cleansing of the grace and blood of Christ in our lives. William Barker wrote a book, or was recalled in a book years ago, about a machinist who worked for the Ford Motor Company in the early days of the Ford Motor Company under the original Mr. Ford. And um, he tells the story of a machinist for the Ford Motor Company who answered a call to an invitation, gave his life to Jesus. And was immediately baptized and the Holy Spirit began to deal with his heart about some things that he had done wrong in the past. He had been stealing parts from the Ford Motor Company and he went to his foreman and told his foreman what he had been doing and uh, said, I've I've come to Christ, I've been baptized, I'm returning the parts and uh, I need to make restitution. I need to ask for your forgiveness. It was such an amazing turn of events that the foreman told the plant manager, and the plant manager was able to get a cabled telegram to Mr. Ford himself. There were no phones, it was a cable telegram. And when Mr. Ford received the response of what had happened, this was in Detroit, he responded back to them via telegram, and this is what the telegram said, damn up the entire Detroit River and baptize the whole city. It was the display in one machinist's life of the cleansing power that had been publicly declared in his water baptism. He could not go on being the man he was because the man had died in Christ and was buried and he was resurrected a new man. Baptism is not only about cleansing, it's also about the commandment of Jesus. And this is where a lot of believers miss it. We take it for granted. and most occasions, nobody's going to kill us and... Nobody's going to cut us off if we're baptized. So it's not a big deal in our culture. A lot of believers are like, you know, I went to church. I said the prayer when the preacher prayed the prayer. So what's the big deal? It's kind of a take it or leave it proposition to most Americans. But with Jesus, water baptism is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. It's not like an optional extended warranty on your car that you can choose whether to come get it. and It's something He demands of disciples. Being baptized is not an option. It is an act that God requires of every believer. In fact, among Jesus' last words on this earth in Mark 16 and 16 were this, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Think about that for a moment. His very call for us to believe on Him includes a call for baptism. And if He places those two in the same statement, it must be really important. You will very rarely read of an unbaptized follower of Christ in the Scripture. Matter of fact, um, one of the rare occasions is the thief on the cross. One of the thieves was proud and arrogant, the other thief was humble. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And obviously that was a very uh, unique circumstance. That man wasn't baptized in water. And we don't believe that the water saves anybody. The water is a symbol of an inward transformation. But yet Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And He commanded that we publicly honor Him This picture of this death and resurrection of what is going on by water baptism. If you follow through Scripture, the book of Acts, the history of the New Testament church, you come upon people giving their life to Christ. And in every occasion, they are baptized in water. In Acts 2.38, the Apostle Peter, who had been a coward and denied Christ, is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And he's emblazoned with boldness. And then he begins to preach this message he had just denied. And here's a part of his sermon, Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to add in verse 41, those who accepted the message were baptized. In Acts chapter 8, it's the story of Philip having a one-on-one conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch. And as the the eunuch comes into understanding of Jesus being the fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah spoke about, he said, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, nothing, if you believe with all of your heart. And as soon as they came upon a body of water, Philip baptized the, the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts 22, verse 16, the very first thing the apostle Paul was told to do after his conversion was be baptized. You follow it through in Acts 10. At the house of Cornelius, he hears the gospel. His family responds to Christ. They are all baptized. Acts 16 in Philippi, Lydia, a wealthy businesswoman and her family hear the gospel and they are all baptized. You remember the story about Paul and Silas singing in jail and at midnight the earthquake happens and they go free? Well, the Philippian jailer that was watching over them witnessed that. Paul and Silas went to his home, shared the gospel. His family came to faith. And Acts 16, verse 33 said, The entire family was baptized. You can follow it in many places throughout. And in every one of these instances, there is an urgency attached to the baptism. The people responded in simple faith. But they didn't see their faith complete until they obeyed God in water baptism. Keep in mind, James says that faith without works is dead. You are saved by faith, not by works. You are saved by faith. Water baptism, doing good, none of that saves you. But Jesus said, if you love me, you have been saved. My love is in you, then you will keep my commandments. Water baptism is an act of obedient love to Christ. Christians who don't follow Christ in water baptism have a, very, uh, higher, a lot higher rate of turning away from the faith. Because it makes sense. If Jesus commands us to be baptized in water and we get off to a start without a foundation built on obedience, then maybe we have a shaky foundation. And in Scripture, I said it a moment ago in the stewardship lesson, every miracle started with an act of obedience. And it just makes sense. That the miracle of salvation would have in it, as a part of it, that public display of an act of love for Jesus Christ. Baptism is, in a way, God's picture of His love for us. When we receive His saving grace, it is no accident that He calls us to identify with Him in a way that makes it real to us. Maybe you're in this room today and you've heard Blake on this video talk about his past. Maybe you're struggling with your past. It may be because you haven't buried your past yet. You haven't given the old you a proper burial yet. Water baptism is a very powerful reminder of the grace of God in our lives. The person that we were is dead forever and we are raised up in Jesus in a totally new way. A totally new creation. I chose 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the amplified version of the Bible today to show you because it says it powerfully. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. I remember the night I was baptized, the feeling that I experienced of putting the old me to rest. I lived it again. Every time I baptize somebody, I live it again. And just the other day, Blake is the most recent person I baptized. And I lived it again, watching his story unfold and seeing that public display of a watery grave and a prophetic foreshadowing of his future resurrection in Christ. I probably understood water baptism better when Haley and I had a conversation prior to our wedding. I said to her, I, I, I lived a, a pretty rough life before I came to faith in Christ. And Haley was grown up in church, been a good girl all her life. And I said, are you sure it's a smart thing for somebody like you to marry a guy like me? And she said, as far as I'm concerned, and if I understand water baptism right... I'm not marrying the guy you used to be because you buried him in that tank. I'm marrying the guy that you are in Christ. So when I walk down the aisle on wedding day, I'm not walking down the aisle with the man you were. I'm walking down the aisle with the new creation that you are in Christ. That's the man I'm marrying. My wife understood water baptism, my wife-to-be at the time, better than I did. And I never really valued the supernatural component of what went on. I probably valued it more in that conversation than I even did the night I was being saved. For her to see that and validate that and understand that. That's what happened when Blake was baptized. That's what's going to happen again and again on the 20th of May when we baptize people on that night. The old will be buried and the new will Symbolically be raised to life again. As you can see, you have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain by following Jesus in water baptism. Ultimately, it goes back to Jesus' statement in John 14:15: if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I wanted to, Pastor Barry, if you would to join me on the platform, and I just want to visit with you in a moment. Obviously. You can walk out of here in a moment if you desire to be baptized in water and sign that card out there. Let me tell you something about water baptism. You know, we don't do infant baptisms here because for us, water baptism is something you do when you choose to follow Christ. Your parents shouldn't choose that for you, you choose. My parents' choices, according to Scripture, cannot impact me eternally for the good or the bad. My parents can be godly and holy, but if I don't choose Christ, they're not going to get me in. And my parents can be the bottom of the bottom, morally speaking, and what they have done wrong cannot keep me out of heaven if I choose Christ. Blake even mentioned there were things that had gone on in his family, things that had gone on in my family. I could have continued that pattern in my life, but I chose to break the pattern that my father had set for my family. And Jesus said that His blood b- breaks the curse that has been on our lives, sin for generations. You have a choice. And a lot of people, depending on the faith background they were in, or where they come from, they, they were committed to the Lord by their parents and a dedication, and they were baptized in the Christian faith as a child. And many people think the water is salvation. And so parents, in that background, obviously bring their children because they want their children in the faith. But the way we understand the Scripture is that no one can decide to follow Jesus for you. You have to make that decision yourself. And so I've talked to a lot of people in my life as I've pastored. that I've talked to a lot of people along the way who have said, Pastor, I didn't didn't have a choice in that. I was a kid. But I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've made a choice. Should I make a choice to be baptized? And I say, absolutely. Jesus was your choice and water baptism needs to be your choice. And then there are other believers that I've talked to along the way who have said, Pastor, I'm ashamed to admit this. I've been in church all of my life. I've followed Christ all of my life. But I never was baptized in water. And it's been so long now. I've done this and I've served in this capacity and people know me. And it would be a shame for them to see me baptized. But I've never been baptized. And I say this to you. God never shames anybody. If you feel shame for that, it is condemnation from the enemy. These people in this church, and I know them, if you have been a believer for a long time, and something happened in your life, you didn't understand the importance of it in your life, you never grasped it, and you for some reason went through your life and never was baptized, I promise you on May the 20th, when we baptize in water, people will hoop and holler for you, Just like you had gotten saved today. And I believe with all of my heart, you need to follow Christ. And then there are some of you in this room that may not even know Jesus. Hearing Blake's story, or you're a prodigal away from God, has tugged on your heart. You need to surrender to Christ and quit running. And in the next two weeks, get your heart ready for baptism in water. You know what, I I was kind of finishing my preparation this morning for the service. I just felt a strong tug of the Holy Spirit to do this. I know the sign-ups are back there, but I just felt a strong tug in my heart to do this. For the people that want to be baptized in water, and say, yeah, Pastor, I, I need to do this. I need to unashamedly identify with Jesus Christ publicly. I need to make this sacred statement. I need to go to that water grave and be raised new. I just felt in my heart that I needed to have you come. Believers in India today are walking to a river singing, I've decided to follow Jesus. And when they come up out of that water, their family will never even acknowledge they're alive anymore. And I just feel like maybe you've been saved 50 years never been baptized maybe you just got saved and you need to be baptized I don't know your situation in life I know that there were people that responded in this first service one is a young girl with a Hindu background who been coming to all of our Sunday night small groups talked with me after the service the Sunday night small group two weeks ago and tears running down her face she said I don't know what to do I just feel Jesus tugging in my heart and it's making it real. But if I come to Christ, I don't know what my family's going to say. I just encourage her the best I could. And this morning, she was one of the ones that walked to the altar and said, I want to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. If you, if you when we stand, if you want to be one of the ones that are baptized in water, whether it's something as a believer you've never done and you've served Him for years or you're a new believer or somebody made the decision for you and you want to make it yourself this time. When we stand, I want you together at the front of this building. It's just a commitment to yourself, to God and to everybody. Else. I'm going to do this thing. Would you stand with me? All over this place, everybody. And if, if that's you, would you step out from where you are and join me? I just just want to pray with you. I need to be baptized in water, Pastor. Would you come? I know you can sign the sheet in the back. But I just felt in my heart while I was... Just come, come right here. I just, just felt in my heart this morning that I needed to give you a chance to publicly say, I'm going to do this. kind of coming, just like Paul Harvey did that day in front of 14 people. There are people coming from the balcony area and I want to give them time to get here. I know some of these people, some of them have been following Christ for a long time and it's just time. Some of them are new to their faith I want to talk to these folks just for a second and prayer team would you make yourselves available on the sides for people who would need prayer obedience sets miracles in motion and today there's a sweet tender presence of the lord and if you need a miracle in your family your home your finances our prayer team is going to make themselves available to pray for those of you that came forward i just want to challenge you sign that form in the back i look forward in two weeks to being a part of our pastoral staff and baptizing you. their parents that have your children here. Take what I've said today. Make sure they understand it. I'll walk over and if you put their names down, we're going to get in contact with you. Make sure you have all the resources you need. You're aware of what's going on. And I really believe God's going to take what's been shared today and use the next two weeks to position your heart for one of the most powerful spiritual experiences of your life. It's a water grave and a prophetic resurrection. Father, thank you for these people who've had the boldness and the courage to respond to your word. All throughout the scripture, obedience has set miracle in motion. And I pray a miracle would come to each one of their lives. Transformation, deliverance, respond to them today. I pray, Lord, it doesn't wait till May the 20th, but even now they sense the nearness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You will give them revelation they can only have from the power of your Spirit. As they they hear and respond to the Word, will you transform our lives from the inside out today? God, I pray that we will never be the same again and make that night, that water baptism night, one of the most remarkable experiences any of us have ever been a part of in Jesus' name.